The beauty of it is that innovation has always been in the DNA of Topgolf. From the very beginning, everyone has always asked ourselves, how do we do things differently? And what's beautiful is I've been brought into this culture and really just try to help nurture it. Everyone from Bayhost through the operators, all the way to marketing and, and even sales, we all think about how to innovate and do things better. And we truly have a startup type culture and it is really celebrated. The main concepts that we hold ourselves by is that we really do want to bring things to market. We just don't want to talk about them. That's not enough. What we want to do is we want to find the minimum viable product, get it to market, test it, iterate it, and make it better every single time. And that speed to market and speed of iteration is extremely key to us. And our board, our investors, and our management allow for that to happen. There's a good, healthy amount of managed chaos within the business, and that is good. Welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the influencers, disruptors, entrepreneurs, and innovators who are shaping the future of golf. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the Mod Golf Podcast, thank you for joining us. Remember to hit the subscribe button on either iTunes or our show page at www.mod.golf so you'll never miss the latest engaging story with my amazing guests. And if you're a Spotify subscriber, you can now find the Mod Golf Podcast there too. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today my guest is Yusheng Cheng who is co-founder of WGT Media, an entrepreneur, angel investor, and president of Topgolf Media. Yusheng, welcome and thanks so much for joining me today on the Mod Golf Podcast. Of course, thanks for having me. My pleasure. So Yusheng, we've known each other for a couple of years now and I first met you shortly after the formation of Topgolf Media. To get us started here, just in case if there are actually some of our listeners who are unfamiliar with Topgolf, can you please give us the quick Topgolf story followed by an introduction to yourself and then Topgolf Media? Yeah, sure. So Topgolf really is this amazing lifestyle brand that was founded over 16 years ago, started as a driving range. And with the introduction of food and entertainment, technology, ways to make the driving range more fun, it's really expanded into a much larger entertainment format. And with the formation of Topgolf Media, it's really grown from a brand standpoint and reaches way far beyond a venue and, and a place to hit balls. That's really where the story takes off from when I joined. Good stuff. So now can you tell us the, the formation of Topgolf Media? Because of course, the company was reformed or reimagined a couple of years ago with also Topgolf International and then Topgolf Media being formed. I can't wait to get into all the great things you guys are doing, but can you give us an overview of Topgolf Media, of what you're doing and why you're doing it? Yeah, sure. So Topgolf Media really is the division of the business that is to take all the great and wonderful things that are happening at the venue and amplifying it beyond that. And our day-to-day -day focus really is about how do you extend the amazing Topgolf brand and purpose beyond the four walls? And so in terms of the assets that we use to do that, we have the WGT game. We have created properties like Topgolf Crush, Topgolf Tour, as well as Topgolf Swing Suites. And I'm sure we can go into detail about all of those, but there are ways of taking that brand and moving them beyond the physical constraints of a venue. And it's really our goal and, and the quest that we are on to make sure that the top golf lifestyle can be relevant and touch people no matter where they are. That's what I think is really special about Topgolf is that our, our chairman, Eric Anderson, has really nurtured two main things for us. One is that we have to constantly innovate. We need to grow. We need to make things better. And secondarily, he's really nurtured the Topgolf purpose. And, and that purpose really is that we honestly come to work every day trying to make the world slightly a better place. And our Topgolf way of doing that is to connect people in meaningful ways and bring them together. And, and we truly believe that if you can celebrate your commonalities with everybody, 
if you can break bread and share fun over play and food and gaming, that your understanding of the people sitting next to you and your ability to build meaningful relationships with those people is ultimately what is going to make the world a, a happier place to be and, and you can enjoy your life. And so what we're trying to do is take that purpose, which is naturally nurtured at the top call venues, but make sure that we then create media properties and experiences outside the venues that also nurture that. Yes. And I've had the good fortune of working with you guys over the last couple of years. And I can truly say I've seen it firsthand that, yes, you do have that culture of constant innovation and your philanthropic and charitable side and the community building side is genuine. And you put a lot of energy into that. And I, I will dig down into that with the content that you're creating through Top Golf Media with some of the things that you're creating there a little bit later. I think that's really vital to talk about and a really great story. So I want to talk about yourself a little bit here first. With what I know about you, you, uh, as I said earlier with the show, that we speak with the influencers, disruptors, entrepreneurs, and innovators, and you, sir, fit into all four of those buckets with not only what you're doing currently, innovating with an entrepreneurial mindset within Topgolf Media, but with the many things that you've done over your career as an angel investor and startup mentor. If you tell us a little bit with WGT Media, now you mentioned with WGT, so that our listeners understand, that is the World Golf Tour. Can you describe what that is and then how that is aligned and been amplified with the superpowers that Topgolf offers. Yeah, sure. So WGT, a world golf tour is one of the startups that I stumbled upon and created in my journey here. And probably best to actually start from sort of the beginning of the story and, and the rest will kind of make more sense, which is in all my life, I never really knew what I wanted to be in life. Sure. And I actually enjoyed the journey of searching and discovering and realizing that I'm not the same person today as I was a year ago or 10 years ago. And, and it's in that change and growth that I really find interest and excitement. And my view is that the world is constantly changing and that if I can find a way to improve things, even around the human equation or communities and find ways to make things a little bit better than the way I found it and grow things for people so that opportunities can arise and people can really succeed, that's really where I find satisfaction. What I found is that through building culture and working with people, and in fact, in a corporate environment, turns out to be a very influential place where you can influence people, you can make things better and affect a large amount of people. And so at Topgolf, it's very interesting. We have over 15,000 associates now and your impact on their lives, as well as the ability to change their families and their communities is meaningful. And so by doing the right thing and focusing on the people and the culture and improving things, it really gives me a lot of satisfaction. As a kid, I grew up in a young immigrant family. I was the first generation born here in the U.S. and did everything. My parents really taught me that you're only as good as your output in a very sort of Asian tiger mom way. <laughs> and that you need to be a productive citizen of society and you need to give back in some way. So I worked all the time, even as a child. My first job was selling Pepsis up and down Folsom Field at CU Boulder, carrying large amounts of trays of soda up and down the stairs, trying to make a few bucks and watch a game that really taught me that you should really use somebody else's capital instead of your own because you would have to pay for those sodas ahead of time. And if you trip and fell, I would be out money and couldn't sell them anymore. So <laughs> it was a tough lesson in, in business. But and little did I know that experience of selling soda as well as working in restaurants as a kid, I wanted to buy games and play arcade games. And I had this obsession with Gauntlet and NBA Jam growing up. So I wanted to earn enough money to go play after school or in the weekends. And 
I worked in the kitchen. I worked as expediter. I made, made cappuccinos and would bust and serve tables the early years of my life. And ultimately, on the side, I was a competitive gymnast. And I loved that working with the children and teaching and on the side and earning a few dollars coaching them. So it was really interesting as those are the, actually the skills that I use today in, in my job managing a large company. At the time, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Uh, I just knew that I wanted to pay for things and that would be nice. <laughs> and so I went to school thinking that I'd become a doctor. I went to Carl College and got a dual degree in philosophy and pre-med biology and, and chemistry and classically science trained in that way with liberal arts bent. And again, if I had a good career counselor, they probably would have told me that I was very interested in the human condition and should probably be a marketer or something. But I did have that insight growing up in a, a Chinese family. You know, you either are a lawyer or you're a doctor. So thought I was going to be a doctor, did an internship with the National Institute of Health and was able to do rounds with the doctors every single morning, was able to scrub in at surgeries. Afternoons, I was running clinical studies and using statistics and running experiments to figure out basically how to cure cancer and how to identify it early and what tissues were dangerous and which ones weren't. And that experience was fulfilling and wonderful, but it really taught me that, you know, I didn't want to be a doctor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you had to go through the process to come to that revelation, did you? Yeah, I did. I had to really go through that. And I realized that you're basically affecting one person at a time. And there was really no scale to that. And most of the doctors were very, very frustrated because how they wanted to treat the patients was very different than what the insurance adjuster would allow them to do. And so I wanted to do something a little bit more. I wanted to be able to solve bigger problems. And so I Honestly, I flailed for a couple of years and I thought I was going to go to law school and got the LSAT and got accepted and ultimately didn't show up for class at law school and was enamored with the startup culture. And I was supposed to go to, to USC. Instead, I got distracted with Idea Labs and what was happening in the late 90s and ultimately discovered what it was to be like an entrepreneur, start a company, run a company, and got taught the whole software development process as well as in marketing through the School of Hard Knocks. And ultimately, what I learned is that I just love inventing things. I love making things better. And very fortunately, I had a bunch of mentors along the way that taught me through the real life experiences and allowed me to have the skill set to start companies and market products and ultimately be where I am today. Wow, we got a lot to dig into there. I find it very interesting. At a very young age, you were starting to flex your entrepreneurial muscles and build those up there, selling one soda at a time there. I also find it very interesting with your humanities and your liberal arts background. I know quite a few people who are successful entrepreneurs that have that background and have combined that with a, a technical background or a design background also. And I, I truly believe those are the best entrepreneurs. I know you now a bit, and I've actually seen you in action in conversations with people. You listen, you observe, and you, you're very empathetic. So actually, you have that capability. That's something that isn't necessarily taught in a technical background. It's something that sometimes can't even be learned. So I think the best entrepreneurs certainly have that characteristic, and you certainly have that too. So with that, I wanted to ask you this, because you, you touched on your sport background. A bit humble, kind of glazed over that as far as your elite level gymnastics career. I know you've competed at a very high level, but I'd like to touch on other sports. I'd like to hear your introduction to golf as a kid or when you first came in touch with golf. Yeah, golf started for me really early on, probably around six years old or so. The neighborhood kids and I used to grab a golf club that we would borrow from our parents and actually hit rocks down the street, which probably weren't great for the clubs. <laughs> but it was an interesting fascination. And 
ultimately, I got to a point where I could walk a course with my dad. And late at night, we were very lucky to live close to a course near our house in the middle of pretty much nowhere. And just go take a little stroll and hit a few balls when the course was shutting down for the night and players were done playing through. And some of my favorite times were just having a great conversation with my dad at those times. And ultimately, I never got competitive in golf. I really used it as a social outlet for my friends and myself to have a great excuse to be outside and talk with each other and ultimately really fell in love with the game and its ability to open you up to conversation, getting to know people better. And one of the great lessons that golf has taught me that has helped me in my life is just something that my dad and other golf coaches have always told me, which is you just play it as it lies. You Don't worry about how you got there. Don't worry about how difficult it is. Just look forward, visualize where you want the ball to go and strike it. And that's a great metaphor for life to deal with what you've been given there and just adjust and problem solve with that rather than worry about what's happened in the past there or your bad lie that's in front of you in life. Interested now to hear just a kind of a fun question. Now that you're deeply immersed in the golf industry, are you playing more golf or less than you have in the past? Or are you spending all your time hitting balls at top golf? Are you actually getting out and playing rounds of golf 18 holes at a time with your friends? Well, I, I definitely didn't make up the saying, but I joined the golf industry and it gave up my game. So join the club, man. You know. <laughs> no, I've probably had the dubious honor of walking and standing on the most famous courses in the world and have not played most of them. So it's a little unfortunate. Yeah. No, it's painful. Well, I think you and I both are going to have to make a very late 2018 New Year's resolution here and get out to play more golf. I actually have already said that. I've already got out and played a couple times this year, even up here in Vancouver with the wet weather. So I'm trying my best to make that happen. Yeah, I definitely get my swing fixed at Top Golf, though. At the end of the day, just swinging, being in this meditative state and striking the ball is, is very, very satisfying. So I, I still get to do that. Absolutely. It does have a certain Zen-like quality to that. So, hey, I want to jump back into Topgolf Media and Topgolf TV. Can you tell our listeners about Topgolf TV and the high-quality content you're creating through storytelling? And you've got, I just looked at your website now, and I've watched a lot of your content. You have five shows up there and something else that's just about to happen that we'll announce in a minute or so here. But can you start by telling us about that and also about the, the social positive impact Topgolf is making in people's lives and communities also? Yeah, happy to. I'm, I'm very, very lucky to have this brand that I can help curate for the time and help grow and nurture. And when I joined Topgolf and was very fortunate that Eric contacted us and had WGT join the family. And we basically embarked in a three or four month journey as to delving into what made Topgolf successful and who they are and, and what we do. At the end, what we surfaced was that just like the game of golf, Topgolf is successful because it really does celebrate bringing people together. And the food, the music, the play really stripped down each individual from all the defenses and sort of social conventions that they're used to. And it really opens them up in a very authentic way where you could be strangers at first, but 10 minutes into Top Golf and, and you're like best friends and you start getting a little competitive and you start opening up and talking about things that you don't normally talk about. I mean, it's because it's such a different environment than the corporate or, or home or anything else you've experienced. So it is that uniqueness and the stories that we can tell about bringing people together and celebrating equality, celebrating the commonalities, and also celebrating the differences and how they can play together well. And it is in that storytelling and in that experience that we're able to do very, very authentic marketing. 
our job as brand marketers for Top Golf is to take the amazing and wonderful moments that matter and amplify them and make sure that other people know those stories because we want to make sure that everyone knows that you have the opportunity to experience this yourself. That is not just a few people who show up and we want everyone to. And so what that has allowed us to do in the vehicle that we've chosen to deliver that message is to actually create our own content. So just as Netflix or Amazon are creating original content, we are too. And the Top Golf original content is really focused around a few pillars. It's around play, which could be golf play or any other type of sort of game play together. And we truly believe that play is a good social lubricant that's safe, fun, and creative, and that it really is a great way to teach people. And we have music in music since the beginning of time and tapping into sort of our human behavioral science. Dance is a very, very primal way of communicating and bonding and sharing. And so music is very, very special to us. And the last is food. And food is about uh, nurturing each other and sharing. And fundamentally, we believe that food is what helps you grow and helps you be comfortable and safe in a way that you can then become the best person you can. And so all our content original programming around those three main pillars. And so the first show that we came out with, which was, I believe, roughly eight episodes, was The Hook, which is a project that CAA brought to us with Charles Kelly, who is a singer in Lady Antebellum. And he has a deep love for the game of golf. And his brother is a very, very good golfer. And it's really a buddy-buddy story about the journeys that they take together as a family, the friends they can bring in, and really showing the lighter side and really the way that I experience golf or people like myself experience golf. In a friendly social manner, not so much the competitive or the often somewhat expensive experience, but more the homegrown, down to earth experience. And that show has done extremely well. We've had young country artists show up on that show and play music with Charles, but also play some golf. Elsie Ballerini, who's an up and coming country artist who's never actually swung a golf club before, we actually get to watch that experience for the first time. And it's really a great show to show how top golf and golf itself could really be relevant for everybody and you don't have to be a professional player. Another show that we've done is something that is A, entertaining, but B, also pretty innovative from a marketing and brand perspective, and it's called Chef Showdown. What we do is we take executive and sous chefs from one of our 41 venues and we fly them in to a kitchen. And basically it's to tell the story that at Top Golf, the majority of our food is actually cooked on site and made from scratch. We really do care about the ingredients we care about as preparation and a lot of care goes into it. And what we realize is the food is really great and people realize that when they come, but they don't know how it's made and the story is not really told. So this series really is about to tell the story about our food and our wonderful chefs where they compete against each other in traditional food network style. We actually have Scott Conan, who is a chef and presenter on those types of shows. And we have each chef compete, make a dish hit a few golf balls to get secret ingredients or to get more ingredients for the competition. And then ultimately it whittles down to a final dish that wins over the course of roughly eight episodes. And what's innovative is that that dish actually is featured in our menu. So unlike the other cooking shows where you watch, you can never actually eat that food. For us, you can watch the show and then tomorrow walk into a top ball right. and eat that exact dish that was presented and won that contest. And the format has worked out extremely well. We've had over 15 million views and by all accounts is a hit original series 
I haven't had a chance to try any of that food yet. I have watched some, actually, all of season one and part of season two now. And it, yeah, it's great content. And I love those type of shows. And you think that can get tired pretty quickly, but it doesn't. It's actually very well done. And the fact you do have that actionable takeaway, I guess the way you can say it at the end there, that yeah, you can actually try that. And in, in, I'm assuming that's across all the top golf venues then that is then offered on the menu. Yep. Guess I need to get down to one of your venues in the next little while and try some of those new menu items. Also wanted to talk, I know you have a, a few other shows there. Can you tell us a bit about Top Golf and Focus? Because that one really does resonate with what you talked about earlier as far as you guys authentically and passionately having a social impact, getting into communities and impacting people's lives. So you can tell us a bit about that? Yeah, you know, in Focus is it's a series that really came out of passion and it's very authentic passion between our chairman, uh, Eric Anderson, myself and our marketing group. We all come from different places in the world and different lives, but one thing that we do center around, which is one of our North Stars, is that we really do care about what happens to our communities and our associates and top golf really hope that somehow we can share the story or have you guys all experience it but it is like a very very family atmosphere and people are taking care of each other all the time a great example of that and it happened organically it wasn't planned ahead of time at all but during hurricane harvey we have three venues down in houston and of a lot of our associates had their homes affected and underwater and just in the standard amazing top golf way we started having associates drive from all over Texas and actually go down and help rebuild and help those individuals get their lives back together again. And when we realized in our home support office that this was happening, we said, we just have to capture this story because this is just a, such a human moment. And that's really what the InFocus series is. It, and it's really as much internal as external. It's for us to reinforce to all our associates how we as a brand behave and how we care for each other. And so when people started driving and busing and taking stuff down to Houston, that's the type of behavior we want all of our associates to mimic, not only for our associates, but how they treat our guests. And so we told that story and it, it turns out to be a beautifully shot piece. We were very clear up front that this is not to be used as propagating the Topgolf logo. This is really about our people. And I think we really struck a great balance with that. And one of the InFocus series is another example is very, very dear to my heart, which is the story of Gary Smith, who is a member at Topgolf and very close to my heart because my father passed away from Parkinson's and Gary has Parkinson's. His wife and he felt like they were slowly losing their lives because of this very challenging disease that slowly takes your life away from you and your ability to interact and talk and control your own body. What Gary had discovered is that by stretching and using his body in a very rhythmic and progressive way, by swinging the golf club and playing regularly and being active, combined with the friends and the community that he's made at the Top Golf, where he shows up just about every day and everyone knows him by name and they have a good talk and they hang out and they're, by all accounts, you can say they are friends. And what has happened miraculously is that through the activity, support of the community and physical motion, his symptoms for Parkinson's has drastically improved to a point where he and his wife feel like they're regaining parts of their normal life back and begin to feel that they're not captured and held captive by this disease. And so these are the things that both Top Golf and the sport of golf really should be very, very proud of. And at the end of the day, that's really what the In Focus series is all about. 
And those stories are beautifully told and beautifully shot. I think I've watched every one of them now, especially the, the last one you mentioned there. And it did resonate with me personally. My late mother also suffered from Parkinson's, but even more so uh, Alzheimer's and dementia. So it, it certainly struck a chord. And yeah, de- definitely it uh, connected emotionally with me also. So thank you for telling those stories. And, and please continue doing that with the In Focus series because they are stories that need to be told. And I'm glad you guys are, are telling them in a very authentic way. And doing that, as you mentioned, I know that for a fact that you guys are doing that to build not only the culture internally, but also to extend your passion and your purpose by demonstrating that through the content you're creating. Yeah. Yeah, no, that really is where we are. What we're finding out is Top Golf is really just a way of life. It's a way of caring for each other. It's a way of being happy. It's a way of building community. It's a way of bringing people together. And the venues were really the first expression of that. They're the biggest tool we have to really show the Top Golf way and values. And then these shows and all the other things we're doing are just other expressions of that same value and that same type of culture. So let's switch gears a little bit here to one of the other content creating properties that you have, and that is Top Golf Tour. One thing we have talked about the fact that Top Golf is now or has for quite a few years now and has the vision of not just being in that $70 billion a year golf space. You guys have transcended that into lifestyle, culture, entertainment, and other sport properties. So with that, can you tell us about the Top Golf Tour and what you're doing there? Yeah, the Top Golf Tour is our way of creating what we think a competitive series should be in, in the golf world in an alternative to what you've seen in other competitions. And it really is focused primarily on two things. One is is fun. <laughs> and, you know, we just can't help it. Anytime we do something, we just want to make it more fun. And so how do you have a competition, but a little bit less serious? And then number two, we wanted to create a game that both women and men had an equal footing and competitive rule set, which didn't benefit one or the other and allowed them to compete. We've been able to build it up over the last several years where it was just a little idea that we had. And now it's a show and it has a new offshoot, which is something that we've worked with the Golf Channel on and created another show called Shot Makers, where the winners of the Top Golf Tour actually get featured on the show that shows on Golf Channel and play against other golfers and athletes and celebrities. And it's a format that really came out of the thinking that Golf Channel wanted to create another show, a competitive show, where they had a lot of success with the big break. And we wanted to reimagine what that would be like in this decade and, and Shot makers is what we came up with. It's interesting. I did look at the trailer last night and getting back to your comment of constant innovation and, and pushing each other in that culture of experimentation. And you, you guys do truly embrace that. And I can see it doesn't sound like Top Golf Tour is going away, that this is just a progression of that, an enhancement of that with what you're creating with shot makers. And I even just in the trailer, it's, it feels like you're picking up some American Ninja Warrior vibes there and, and a bit of Red Bull action sport feel to it with what you're doing and applying that to golf, which <laughs> I think you know as well as I do. You're saying that if that, that isn't done properly, that it can, uh, it can come across not great. From what I've seen so far, and I can't wait to see the show that premieres on April 9th on Golf Channel of the content you're creating there. One of the interesting things like, like you to touch on, and we've talked about this on previous Mod Golf podcast episodes, is team play in golf and how in other sports that now in the Olympics also, how that has such huge audience traction. Can you talk a bit about that, not only about shot makers, but also the opportunity you have with top golf formats of introducing various team formats? Yeah, we think team play is key. Not only does it make better TV, because you have the interplay between the characters, you have the tension, you have the collaboration, and it's just much harder to optimize several people together instead of just controlling 
controlling yourself. And we still know that just playing golf as an individual is still hard enough. <laughs> but a lot of that internal struggle is hard to see. And in a team format, there's just this amazing interaction and energy that you just don't get from individual play. And so we really truly believe and support that this is probably the most entertaining format in golf. All the games that we're producing in Top Golf, and you'll see more in the future, really play up the team aspect of that. And you can succeed as an individual, but we believe that succeeding as a team is more sweet. Right. So I can certainly see yourself as an entrepreneur here. We talk about this on the podcast also, just as far as startup culture and applying methodologies like the Lean Startup with Eric Reese. And I see what you're doing here. And even with the Top Golf Tour, what you did in the first year, you didn't try to boil the ocean with that. You did that as an experiment the first year to kind of see how it went and then refine that in the second year. And now you're adding more features. And now it looks like you're really ready to hit this thing hard with shot makers added to that also. Is that the way you work within Top Golf Media to treat it almost? What do they call it now? As, as an entrepreneur, you're an entrepreneur inside of an organization and building that culture within and your approach to bringing products and experiences and content to market. Is that the way you go about it? Yeah. You know, the beauty of it is that innovation has always been in the DNA of Topgolf. And from the very beginning, everyone has always asked ourselves, how do we do things differently? And what's beautiful is I've been brought into this culture and really just try to help nurture it. Everyone from Bay Host through the operators all the way to marketing and, and even sales, we all think about how to innovate and do things better. And we truly have a startup type culture and it is really celebrated. The main sort of concepts that we hold ourselves by is that we really do want to bring things to market. We just don't want to talk about them. That's not enough. What we want to do is we want to find the minimum viable product, get it to market, test it, iterate it, and make it better every single time. And that speed to market and speed of iteration is extremely key to us. And what's beautiful is that our board, our investors, and our management allow for that to happen. There's a good, healthy amount of managed chaos within the business. And that is good that we need change. We constantly say things like perfect is the enemy of beautiful and success, and we should continue to push on forward. It will not be perfect. We are all flawed. We will all make mistakes. I'm a flawed manager. That's okay. Failing, we don't even really say fail. It's a weird thing. Other startups say fail fast. We don't even think there is failure. We think everything is a necessary incremental step of learning that takes us to the next step. And that's really how we run the business. Yeah, it is. I, I work as a mentor with, with young entrepreneurs and startups and ingrain that in them also. I, I don't like the word failure also. It is learning opportunities there and, and being able to either persevere or pivot and figure out what is the way to go based on what you have learned in that feedback loop of building, testing, measuring, and then building again. You guys certainly have that deeply ingrained within the DNA of the culture there at, at Topgolf. Wanted to ask you this because we do have, it's interesting on the, on the podcast, we've got not only people that love golf, but also entrepreneurs and people that are in the startup space and people that are in both listening to the program. So yourself as an entrepreneur, I'd love to hear if you can recommend a, a book or two that have inspired you either that you're reading right now or personally along the way in business and also in life. Yeah, my own development has really been through experiences and mentors. I've been very fortunate to have really great ones. I guess I've done over seven startups now. Most of them all failed. I've learned a lot and had a great mentor at one of them. His name is Russell Fine, and he's one of the founders of a company called YouBet.com. And he basically taught me how to code and think and run a product and, and how to market it and just kind of took me through those. And so my big advice is really just find really, really great mentors who can teach you 
who honestly want the best thing for you and help you through all those hard things because there's just no simple or cookie cutter answer for anything. And to have real experience and have someone who cares to listen to you really, really matters. But in terms of what I do now, oddly enough, I am just basically a podcast junkie. So I've listened to a bunch of your episodes, which I find very entertaining and educational. Well, thanks. I generally just love human behavior. If I had my choice, I'd probably go back to school and get a PhD in human behavioral science. And so I really love listening to Freakonomics. I think it's a, it's a great series. They delve into a lot of things that are interesting about people and human behaviors. Hidden Brain is another great series. And then what I find very interesting is actually This American Life. And it's not as academic, but it really is about humans and human stories. And that storytelling is really, really, I think, very crucial for what entrepreneurs need to do today. Because you're trying to solve problems and you're trying to solve problems for people. And then you're also trying to manage people. And you're only as good as the people you hire and the culture that you build. And understanding them is really key. Yeah. Absolutely. So I will make a point in the show notes of having the links to Freakonomics, This American Life. And I'm sorry, what was the other one that you mentioned there too? A Hidden Brain. Yes, that's right. Of course, I haven't had the chance to listen to that one yet. So I certainly will do that. And Mod Golf, of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll put that one in the show notes too. I hear it's, I hear it's pretty good. Perfect. It's interesting with mentorship also. It sounds like with it was Russell, right, that you mentioned there that yeah. had a real impact to help form and forge your entrepreneurial journey there. I find it very interesting also, and I do sincerely mean this, and yourself is included in this group, you're saying that one of the great things with doing this podcast, I've done over 30 episodes, and I now have 30 mentors, over 30 mentors, and I've learned something from every single person and guest, and I'm very thankful for that. And I also find also it's interesting that I have a lot of people approach me on mentorship, and they still have this old school thought that it has to be an older person like myself and a younger person actually being the mentee, where in fact, I have mentors of people that are a lot younger than me, and age has nothing to do with it. Speaking about diversity and inclusion, the fact all across the spectrum in different walks of life, I lean on people and ask questions in all different areas, and I'm better because of it. Even with this podcast, I've got a good friend that got into it a little bit earlier than I did, much younger than me. And if it wasn't his insistence that I do this, I probably would have bailed on it and, not, <laughs> and found it a thousand excuses not to do it. So th those type of mentorships also are crucially important, and people need to remember that it's not a matter of someone that's older than you in order to learn a ton from someone and get the confidence to move forward yourself. Yeah, I think it's especially important in the startup world because we live in a society where there is an HBO show called like Silicon Valley, right? And there is Shark Tank and there's this glamorization and all you hear about are all the successful people and how much money they make and how amazing it is. But entrepreneurship and especially startup in the Valley is a very, very difficult and psychologically taxing endeavor. If there's only one thing I can give back to the startup community is to be very open about experiences and remove the asymmetry of knowledge and information because everyone generally doesn't want to talk about it because they don't want to talk about their failures or how hard it is or how difficult or all the things that went wrong, all the times they've been fired or had their product fail or had their board replace them. And no one really wants to talk about that stuff. And so there is an asymmetry of information and then what happens is it causes entrepreneurs and leaders and founders to basically have to live in the sort of a psychological, emotional bubble where they feel like they're fighting the world on their own. 
And that causes a lot of problems. A lot of entrepreneurs and founders have deep-seated mental anxiety issues and problems. And I remember in a particular difficult time, one of my startups, when I thought I was going to have to lay off 100 people who I convinced to join me who have families to feed. And for months, I couldn't actually get in elevators because I started having anxiety attacks and it just be very difficult about the amount of stress. But no one ever talks about that. And no one talks about the true pros and cons of raising money and how to manage a board and, and all the number of difficult things that you have to do and how to handle them. And so if there's anything that we can do together as a community is to really be transparent, to share those things. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Everybody faces trouble and the, it's a very small percentage that are largely successful. And most of them are actually decently successful. They may not return the 10x or whatever that an investor wants. But for you to create a job, for you to create a community and company and product from scratch, you should be really proud of that. And it's very, very hard to do. Well, thank you for being transparent there with your own personal journey also. It is crucially important for that side of the story to be told because I do talk to a lot of entrepreneurs on the podcast. Some have already made it and climbed that mountain. And a lot of them, I like those stories that people are quite scrappy and are still swinging away to try to make things happen. And I do know also with some of the other work that I do, some of the volunteer work here in Vancouver with Startup Vancouver, one of the things that we are passionate about is connecting people to let them know that they're not alone. Because I agree with you completely, entrepreneurship is over-romanticized in the media, but it is a lot of cases is a very difficult and also very lonely journey. So to be able to connect people and know that they have other resources is, is crucially important. Sorry, I know I left that open ended there with you know where to go. So my apologies. <laughs> That's okay. I'm usually pretty good at that now of not actually having a long winded diatribe and then just kind of leave you hanging. It's like, oh, cool, great. Okay, next thing. Okay. <laughs> this has been great, by the way. So, hey, Yusheng, to finish up here, can you tell us a bit about what's in the future for 2018 and beyond for Topgolf and Topgolf Media as far as the overall vision, at least what you can actually tell us that right now isn't confidential? Yeah, sure. So what, what we all have to look forward to with Topgolf is that we're continuing to open more venues and we want to reach more and more communities. We want to provide that amazing experience for everyone, but we're not resting on those laurels. We truly believe that we need to reinvent ourselves every year. We need to bring new products and we also need to cannibalize ourselves because if we don't do it, someone else will. So you're going to see larger distribution and maturity of the swing suite model where we basically bring top golf indoors with the culture, fun and game technology. So you can play top golf in, in a four seasons lounge or at a sports stadium or arena. You're going to continue to see us bring top golf crush to cultural moments and fun events. And you're going to see really a step function of growth in terms of our content and our ability to create things that people want to watch that will not only help market who we are and tell our story, but will be properties that ultimately will be distributed on different networks like Amazon Prime or Hulu or wherever. And we'll actually start growing our fan base way outside of our venues and help us monetize our business. And we're not resting on the games that we have. We constantly push forward on how to advance the game experience itself. You will see more and more games at Topgolf available that utilize our Top Tracer technology. So the same technology that you see on the PGA Tour that NBC and, and CBS and Golf Channel use to show the trace of the ball. And it has really brought a level of excitement to watching golf that I think that the sport has wanted. 
And you're going to be able to see all that technology and new game formats start being available in our top golf venues. And and one thing that I'm very, very excited about, because I'm kind of a foodie and I, I love and enjoy the process of making and eating food, is that we've gone through a very comprehensive process in terms of further upgrading our food, making it more special, making it healthier, and really upping our level of delivery there, where very, very few entertainment properties at our scale will be able to deliver the quality food that we have. And we're very, very proud of that. That's great. So I guess one of the other things to mention too is global ambitions with Topgolf. I know that you're already in the ground in the Gold Coast in Australia. So you've actually got your licensing deal there. You also have one in place with Mexico and also announced last summer up here in Canada. So Topgolf Canada is going to be coming. So I'm sure you also have European expansions and looking to bring Topgolf everywhere on the globe. Is that fair to say over the next decade or so, you look to bring that quality experience overlaid with local cultural context to everywhere in the world? Yeah, we want Topgolf and we believe it's interesting for everyone. And so we will expand all over the world with great venues and each one will have its own character to it, but at its core have the top golf culture and brand. And we also announced at the PGA show this year that we, we have the top tracer range product. So places where we can't build the venue, we will have our technology available to add and enhance for range owners where they can bring guests in and have the fun and games of talk golf and really help range owners make more money from the investments and properties that they already have and bring a little top golfness to that world, which is very, very exciting to me. Interesting. So it sounds like you guys are constantly reimagining and expanding your business offering also as far as the market segments that you're reaching out to. So it's not just a business to consumer play. You're also working on that business to business side too. It sounds like there's limitless opportunities for you as a lifestyle and a golf brand. Yeah, we're very, very fortunate to have such a great, great company to work with. Yushang, this has been really great spending the time with you here today. I, I, I thank you for that. But before I let you go, can you tell our listeners where they can find out more about Topgolf and about Topgolf TV and the media that you're creating through Topgolf Media? Yeah, the best way to know what we're doing is to sign up and follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And we also have our own Topgolf TV channel on YouTube. So if you want to see any content, those are the places to come find us. Good stuff. And again, I will include all those links in the show notes so our listeners can easily find those. But yeah, you just go to topgolf.com and everything is there. Yeah, you guys did a great job on the upgrade of your website too. Actually, the user experience on that is, is top notch. So congratulations on that also. So hey, Yushang Chen, president of Topgolf Media. Thank you ever so much for being on the Mod Golf Podcast today. I really appreciate your time. Of course, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Mod Golf Podcast with Yu Chang Ching, president of Top Golf Media. Yu Chang's willingness to share stories about the difficulties faced by startups, including his own personal challenges as an entrepreneur, really demonstrated the strength of his character. His compassion, empathy, tenacity, curiosity, and heartfelt desire to innovate and improve are the qualities that make him a leader people want to follow. Join me again next week as I speak with Rachel Mabby and Tashma Brown from the PGA Reach program called PGA Works. The mission of PGA Works is to establish a deep bench of diverse talent who are prepared to ascend to key employment positions in the game and business of golf. Rachel serves as the PGA Works program specialist and is responsible for the oversight and execution of PGA Reach's diversity and inclusion program. Tajma will share her experience as she finishes her 12-month internship with the Middle Atlantic Section PGA Works Fellowship Program. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mod Golf Podcast, you can find more engaging stories about the future of golf on our episodes page. 
You can also find all of our previous Mod Golf podcast episodes on iTunes and Spotify. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Have a great week, and I look forward to you joining us again soon. Bye for now.